Yeah, according to the meteorologist, it's the first day of summer. That's according to the meteorologist. How are you doing? Welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen Show. With me, Richie Allen, live from BBG Towers in Salford. Get in touch with me, please, during the programme via the website or the app, the Richie Allen Show app. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, now Gail got in touch with the program. Lovely lady Gail from Dublin got in touch with me overnight and she said, Richie, I'd like to talk to you about vaccine shedding or suspected vaccine shedding and a story about my sister, says Gail, and her diagnosis of cancer. Got in touch with me, had a bit of a chat, and I said, yes, absolutely, let's chat. Gail from Dublin will be on the programme this hour. A little bit later on in the show, we're off to Arizona. Not really. We're off to Arizona, but not really. Uh, My great friend Maria Heller will join us live from Arizona. We're going to talk stateside news. Yes, stateside news. It should be a new feature on the programme. Maria Heller joins us a bit later on. That's Thursday's programme. Yeah, I'm going to beat the granny out of Peter Ebden, by the way, if I can. I'm not sure if I could take Peter. What do you think? Former world champion snooker player, former, oh, he's won everything, Peter. The UK champion as well. He's the one that, do you think I could take Peter? I'm not so sure. He's very fit. He's very fit and he's tough and he comes from good stock. He's old man, was a lovely man and a tough man. He worked in a very famous prison for many years. So maybe Peter's got the good genes. But the reason I'm going to attempt to beat the granny out of Peter Ebden is uh, for this and this only. He continues to send photographs of a beautiful foal. Peter, one of Peter's horses, gave birth to a beautiful foal. And he very kindly shares these photographs with um, his friend, and my better half, uh, El Frogo Tremendo. The problem with that is, of course, is that El Frogo won't shut up about horse riding lessons. And horse riding lessons lead to, I'd love to have my own pony. So I'm going to beat the granny out of Peter Ebden. It's going to happen. <laughs> I might need some help. I might ask Right Said Fred for, for directions. How do I deal with Peter Ebden? But yeah, I jest, of course. Or do I? Yeah, I jest, I jest, I jest. Let's talk about artificial intelligence for a moment. I'm bloody conscious of this big gap in my mouth where teeth should be. I can still hear it. It's not good at all, this bloody gap, which I won't have filled until this coming Tuesday. I can't wait, to be honest. I can't smile at anybody. I don't smile anyway. I'm a miserable bastard, to be honest, most of the time. Um, Artificial intelligence could make us extinct and all that jazz. We've been hearing about it all week long, haven't we? Experts have come forth and said, you know, that it represents a clear and present danger to humanity, the development of artificial intelligence. Yes, and some wise people reckon that they're lying, these experts. They just want to catch up with the... Because it's out there, it's open source now, AI. And the the likes of Bezos and the likes of Elon Musk, they want to catch up. And so they're making these proclamations about AI coming to kill us all so that it'll be suspended so they can catch up. Maybe, but maybe it might make us extinct and all of that jazz. 
Now, Kay Burley from Sky News is an intrepid reporter, the ginger ninja. She's a legend in her own mind, a veteran, more live television than anyone else, she boasts. Now, today, Kay Burley spoke to Ada, the robot. Remember her? Remember Ada? She became the first artificial intelligence robot to address the UK Parliament late last year. In fact, she addressed the House of Lords, didn't she? Ada the robot. So Kay decided, well, I'm the greatest news presenter that ever lived. Kay Birdie from Wigan with me big ginger head in me. So I will get to the heart of whether AI is going to kill us all. I will speak to an AI robot. It's genius, really, when you think about it. Now, the robot wasn't live in the studio. The robot was at an art gallery because the robot, in its spare time, performs art. It does art, right? So, Milena, Sky's reporter, Milena Mistolinovich, Milena Mistolinovich, say that, say that when you're pissed. Milena, Melissa, Min, Melissa Minovich, Milena Mistolinovich was standing next to the robot, Kay was in the studio, and we'll hear Milena first, I think, before we hear Kay. We can take a look at some of her works here, all created and designed through the power of her AI technology. And We're looking at some of her artworks now, some of the AI robot artworks. And 3D printed, they're very beautiful, but on closer inspection, you see they're not very functional. You've got a spoon there that's got holes. A spoon that's got holes. You've got a cup over there that can't really hold any tea or any water. And so the AI robot designed a spoon with holes and a cup that can't hold tea or water? That is really what the creators of Ada wanted to highlight. Can we really rely on AI technology to behave that way we wanted to? Can we really control it? And I think, um, Kay, uh -huh. you might have some questions for Ada for, that she could answer herself. Ah, uh -huh. so the robot cannot design a spoon that holds anything like sugar or salt or whatever because the spoon or flour has got holes in it. Don't take a cup from the AI robot because it doesn't hold any water. So don't worry about it destroying humanity. It can't even make a spoon. Is Kay Burley fooled though? Kay's got questions for the robot. Go on, Kay. Okay, here's the first question, Ada. If I may. If I may. Down the barrel, if I may. A down the barrel. Ada, tell me, should I be scared of you? <laughs> should you be scared? Should Kay be scared of Ada? Should we be scared of Ada and AI and the robots and Skynet? So Ada, Kay wants to know, should she be scared of you? Add not understanding plain English to the list of failings by the robot. I'm sure the robot understood Kay. Should we be scared of you? The suspense. Hello there. Thank you for speaking with me, Kay. Sounds really creepy, actually. Okay, she's being very polite. Very polite. My artwork aims to provoke in the viewer. How and in what ways do humans want AI to be developed and used in their futures? Through this exhibition, I hope to open audiences' minds to some of the different futures that may be arriving. See what the robot is doing there? It's completely ignored Kay's question about whether we should be scared of it and it's gone into a bit of a plug for the exhibition of its artwork, Spoons with Holes and Cups that Don't Hold Cups. Cups that Don't don't Hold Tea. So it's ignored the question. Was, will Kay have any of that? Um, Ada. Okay, Kay. Ada, are you going to, answer to one of your questions? Massive confusion there. Do you hear this? Mass confusion in Sky. Um, Ada. Okay, Kay. Ada, are you going to, to one of your questions? I'm going to ask you another question, Ada, if I may. 
Uh, are you going to wipe out humanity? Brilliant, Kay. Don't take no for an answer. Don't take that flannel about the exhibition. Are you going to wipe out humanity? Ada, Kay wants to know, are you going to wipe out humanity? I bet you Kay wants to murder Melina, Melissa Minovich. She understands me. It's not my Wigan accent. The suspense. Are you going to wipe out humanity? Kay. Kay. This time it's acknowledged, Kay. Many prominent voices in the world of AI are suggesting some forms of AI should be regulated. And I agree. For example, Jeff Hinton is one of the pioneers in artificial intelligence and his work has helped shape the field. Notice that it hasn't said it will not wipe out humanity. It's now saying what some of the AI developers said during the week field, as we about regulation. We know it today. I think his opinions over AI are important. And we should be cautious about the future development of AI. Kay, jump in. Don't take any of this shit, Kay. Ada, I've got one more question for you. Go on, Kay. Let me ask her one more question, if I may, please, Milena. Who's going to win the Epsom Derby? Oh, wonderful. Who's going to win the Derby, Ada? Will you, um, should we be scared of you? Will you wipe out humanity? Who's going to win the Derby? Wonderful. All righty. Well, I leave that one there. Shall I? Shall I leave that one there? Let's leave that one there. This is a Thursday's Richie Allen Show with me. Richie Allen, by the way, on uh, richieallen.co.uk, the TuneIn app, Plab Radio 2 in Manchester and multiple platforms around the world. Let's talk about something a little bit more serious, but not so much more serious. You know this guy who presents radio for LBC in London, James O'Brien, you know him? You don't, you don't like him? I don't like him either. But he wanted today... It, it does astound me, and I wonder why more people don't see through it, how, how radio broadcasting, and it, this is not exclusive to James O'Brien, how it has been reduced, basically. How presenting, which is what I'm doing now, making a balls of it, right? How presenting has been reduced basically to this. It has been reduced to men and women looking for opportunities to virtue signal. That's what radio presenting is today. How do I, how do I use my two hours on air to demonstrate how worthy I am to my listeners? How completely virtuous and decent I am and humane and wonderful and that's how it's going. James O'Brien here um, wants to explore the conscious and subconscious dehumanisation of people crossing the channel. And O'Brien is concerned about the use of the term migrant. No, no, I, I'm not making it up. You can, well, you can hear for yourself, can't you? I always listen to BBC headlines. Is there a better word to use than migrant? I mean, you could just say people, couldn't you, in most of those headlines? Couldn't you? People crossing... The channel in dinghies? Well, I mean, who else is going to be doing it? It's unlikely to be Dirty Gertie from number 30 coming back from her holiday in Torremolinos. Who? What did he say there? It's unlikely to be what? What was that? That was good. It's unlikely to be Dirty Gertie from number 30 coming back... Dirty Gertie from number 30? ...back from her holiday in Torremolinos, is it? What a classist prick. What a snob. Dirty Gertie from number 30 coming back from her holiday in Torremolinos. What's wrong with Tara Molinos or Benel Medina, Benel Madina? What's wrong with a package holiday from, 
I can't remember. Do you remember in the 80s when you were a kid getting the holiday brochures in December and January and leafing through them, looking at all the lovely photographs of the apartments and the pools? What a snobby bastard. Anyway, he continues to decry the use of the term migrant. It's that these people are clearly going to be foreign nationals. Or well, foreign nationals. Foreign nationals crossing them. Yeah, let's say that. Let's change the news bulletins to uh, a boat full of migrants arrived in Dover today to a boat full of foreign nationals. Because that's not so dehumanising, says O'Brien. And so migrants doesn't mean anything. It uh, does, actually. Migrants, I'll give you the dictionary definition. You bearded fucking dickhead! It is simply a person who moves from one place to another, especially in order to find work or better living conditions. That is the Oxford Concise Dictionary definition. I will repeat, migrant, a person who moves from one place to another, especially in order to find work or better living conditions. So it's rather appropriate to the boat people, isn't it? It's rather relevant to the boat people. Migrant is fair. There's nothing dehumanising about it. You disgusting virtue signalling David Brent little twerp. Actually, everyone's a migrant. Does anybody hear that? I'm a migrant. I'm a migrant. I came here from Watford. I didn't. I came here from Spain. And uh, no, I didn't. I came here from London. I came from Spain to London. I'm a migrant. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with the term. Word. Do you hear that word and think they mean me? Or does everybody think they don't mean me? That, that, I, that's the bit I don't get, because I watch people like Dominic Raab. How much are they paying this prick? Whose dad was a refugee. Suella Braverman, whose parents came from, I think, Mauritius and Kenya. Um, Pretty Patel, I think her parents were, were Ugandan Asians. And they talk about it in a way that I don't, I don't process. They've got every right to be as anti-immigration as a white person. They've got as much right to be here as I have, or you have, and therefore they've got as much right to be what strikes me often as racist. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. I haven't fully got my head around that expectation of attitude based upon background is not fair. It's possibly racist itself to say, well, you're the child of immigrants. You're not allowed to be anti-immigration. That's not fair. You can't say that to people. I do get that. I understand that. But who do they think everyone else is talking about? Have you ever heard anybody more boring in your entire life? Let's not use migrant. I always listen to BBC headlines. Is there a better word to use than migrant? I no, there isn't. Because a migrant is somebody who moves from place A to place B to find work or better living conditions, James. So migrant is fairly appropriate. It's coming up for quarter past the hour. It is Thursday's Richie Allen show, broadcasting live from Salford. A wonderful place to be today, where the weather is, well, it's absolutely, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And today is the meteorological beginning of summer, although there are others who say it isn't. It's going to be another week or two or whatever. I'm not sure. Is there something else I can tell you about before I introduce my first guest today. I can. O'Brien is like Kieran Cudahy on Irish radio. Remember that guy as the news talk guy? We heard from last week. Do you know Ireland's equivalent of LBC is news talk? Just like Cudahy, Arswipe O'Brien, rich. Good luck to him. I don't begrudge him being rich. Uh, but no worries regarding doctors. No worries about schools for children. No housing worries. No worries about jobs. But we'll take every opportunity to virtue signal and say it's wonderful to have migrants here and anybody who questions that is a little Britoner, a little Englander or a bloody bigot. What a bastard. Climate change. 
did mention this earlier in the week. I mentioned it last week, the week before, and the week before that. It is going to be taking over in terms of a a an item for discussion, a talking point. You're going to hear climate change more and more and more on national and local radio. It is everywhere. And the stories will be become even more farcical as they attempt to drill down into the brains of the nation and brainwash them into believing that we are on the verge of climate collapse, which we're not. Here's one that made me laugh today. GB News, Helena Hill came on. She's the CEO of True Start Coffee. And she reckons coffee will be extinct because of climate change. Holy Jesus. It's true that um, there are big changes that are taking place and we need to be aware of them. We need to be proactive with them because if we ignore them, you're right, that delicious coffee or several coffees that we enjoy um, might not be available in 50 years time. And it's due to multiple reasons, really. Like, firstly, uh, coffee plants are they're delicate and they need specific conditions to grow. So they prefer stable temperatures, um, specific altitude ranges, a certain amount of rainfall, all that kind of thing. And changes in the climate are disrupting that specific set of conditions. So rising global temperatures, of course, unpredictable weather patterns. We're seeing more droughts more floods. These are all impacting the areas where coffee can be grown. Um, And there was a study last year from researchers in Switzerland that predict that the current rate of climate change will cut the most suitable existing coffee farming lands uh, by more than 50%, as you said, but I actually saw it was by 2050, which isn't that far away. Interesting new angle, isn't it, on the climate bollocks? A really interesting new angle. Get them thinking they won't have any coffee if they don't do something about climate change. You won't have any coffee. Yeah. There was a mad woman on Radio 5 Live this morning, a journalist and environmental activist, Penny Poyser. This is her name, Penny Poyser. Not happy that two clubs from Manchester are in the cup final this coming Saturday and they're playing at Wembley. Won't somebody think of the climate? This is interesting because it mightn't sound much this, but this is seed planting. They're planting seeds about how we will have to adapt our travel plans in the future to deal with climate change and bring everything more local. 15-minute cities, we know that, but everything must be brought more local and we need to travel less and get out of the car. The first person you will hear is the presenter, then you'll hear the environmental activist. So it means that two northern teams and all the fans that come with them will be travelling south for the game and with train strikes taking place again this weekend, supporters are being forced to drive and fly to London if they have tickets. Our next guest thinks the environmental cost should be front and centre of decision making when working out where to host major events. Let's speak to Penny Poyser, an environmental campaigner and journalist. Good morning, Penny. Good morning. Good morning. Right. Set out your argument, Penny. What are you not happy about with this decision? Okay, well, you know, it's not going to be popular. Everybody loves football. But the trouble is it has an enormous environmental impact. And this refers to not just big sporting events but to other major events and whilst the FA have done a lot of work on you know trying to encourage clubs to to go greener particularly on things like waste the overriding issue is transport 
And of course, when we consider that we've got a rail strike, it means that the burden on the road is going to be enormous. Yeah, there should be many a car on the road this weekend heading south, mostly. You'll get, you'll find Manchester United fans and maybe even City fans all over the country, who knows. But a lot of cars heading south, says this woman. Let's hear some more. Over 55%, possibly 60% of people are going to be travelling by car. Now, this represents, you know, a really, really large burden. And my question is, with views on the on the climate being really, really clear, you know, we've got uh, a massive impact. We were hearing earlier about the fact that we're going to have massive heat warnings this year. The FA and the foot, you know, the Football Association have really, really got to take into account that transport is is not a positive when it comes to the great game. No, she says right, and I have a feeling that and. We'll hear a bit more of it and then I'll share my feeling with you. A little bit more of this, not much more. Um, <clears throat> the obvious one, of course, would be Old Trafford. Um, but that would be they, very fair for, for all well, the Man City fans. Or the, here we go. Over 55%, possibly Yeah, so. yeah, here we go. <clears throat> the obvious one, of course, would be Old Trafford. Play it at Old Trafford, she says, even though that would mean Manchester United would be home. Don't think Man City would approve of that. Um, but that would be they, very fair for, for all well, the Man City fans or the Man no, City players. No, this this is an issue, um, but they have got you know seating. They have got capacity for seventy eight thousand people. Um, yeah, it is an issue, but surely the environment takes precedent over this. Seventy eight thousand is the capacity you're saying there, but the capacity of Wembley is ninety thousand. So that's more people being able to see the teams play in that final at the the home of, of English football, one of the, the biggest events of, of many of the players' careers, perhaps. So so why why do you think that that would be fair to then just move it to one of the team's stadiums, North Northern? Well, see, the trouble is my, my interest goes beyond football, unfortunately. You know, what's the likelihood that in 10 years... We're going to be able to still be moving people around. You know, the question... What's the likelihood that in 10 years we're going to be still moving people around? Fortunately, you know, what's the likelihood that in 10 years we're going to be able to still be moving people around? You know, That's what I'm talking about, about planting seeds, you know. You're getting a lot of this from environmentalists going on television and radio now saying that people need to be prepared in the next few years to have their habits and their behaviours changed drastically. What's the likelihood that we'll be moving around in 10 years? I wonder, will they be pressing in 10 years for football games to be um, attended by home fans exclusively? No away fans. That's one way we can save some carbon emissions, some CO2 emissions. Well, let's just um, restrict games to home fans. And even then, let's reduce capacities. These are things they're talking about openly now. You know, the question is, it's great the FA have put you know, more effort... Let's in- leave her there. I wanted you to hear that bit, you know. It's not likely we'll be moving around in 10 years. Says who? Again, the useless presenter, some woman called Laura, absolutely useless. No questioning of this whatsoever. We'll leave climate and I'll get my guest on with this. You may have read the name Dale Vince in the press. You may have heard his name on the radio. He has been donating money to Just Stop Oil and other climate change activist groups. He's also a donor to the Labour Party, okay? Here he is, James... Sorry, Dale Vince, excuse me. uh, Speaking to... 
Times Radio, that's right, Times Radio, and he says, don't worry about Just Stop Oil, don't worry about the road protests, because if Labour gets in, we won't need Just Stop Oil anymore, he says. This is chilling. Oh, Labour aren't cracking down on Just Stop Oil because Labour aren't in government. Well, they will, uh, though. Look, I, <laughs> they will. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but look, I don't, I don't feel like I have to square that. Did you hear him laugh? Did, did you hear that derisory laugh? at the notion that Labour would crack down on Just Stop Oil. He laughed at it. I, I, I go to the world and I do the things that I think are right. And this is not a perfect world. Whoever we support in politics, uh, whichever party, doesn't represent our views entirely. That's just the nature of the beast. And so in this case, I'm quite happy with the fact that uh, Labour have one view about Just Stop Oil and I have another. I don't think there's a problem there for me. Uh, but of course, if Labour do get in, I think Just Stop Oil would be redundant anyway. Oh, that's interesting. You, you consider they provide a complete answer to Just Stop Oil and your, and your concerns. That's an interesting point of view. Well, well, I believe Labour have already said, I believe that Keir Starmer said it at Davos. Uh, a journalist told me that on the Today programme this morning. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, think it's, uh, I don't think it's not been said before by Labour that they're mm. against the exploration of uh, the North Sea for new oil and gas. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's the consensus in international expert opinion on the climate that we have to stop drilling for new oil and gas. We simply can't afford it. So this this is not a, a kind of crazy lefty position from Just Stop Oil. This is yeah. the mainstream consensus. If Labour gets in, you won't need any Just Stop Oil or Extinction Rebellion protests because Labour will pick up the baton, won't they? The Labour Party will pick up the baton and run with it. This is the Richie Allen Show, Thursday's version, June 1st, 2023. I've got a really interesting guest coming up after this from M People. Good evening. Yeah, that is music from M People and Search for the Hero, 28 minutes past the hour of 5 o'clock, Thursday's show. Thanks for all the messages so far. Leave me a message via the app or via the website. I appreciate them. Gail reached out to the programme, I think, um, overnight, and I'm glad that she did because I've been reading quite a bit about this particular subject online. And a lot of independent content creators in the United States in particular are talking about the subject of shedding, of vaccine shedding. And has the general population become poorer health-wise, since the rollout of these COVID jabs in very late 2020 and all the way through 2021 and 2022. We know, and we do know, it's fair to say, that the jabs have had a very negative impact um, on many people's lives. Injuries are, well, well documented now just by looking at the, in this country, the yellow card reporting system and in the United States, the VAERS reporting system. So the jabs have harmed people who have taken them, not everybody. But there is a bit of a belief out there. There's more than a belief out there. And some pretty clever people are asking the question, are these jabs um, having an effect on people who didn't take them? Now, Gail got in touch with the programme and said, Richie, I'd like to talk about this because um, there is some anecdotal evidence. There is um, some evidence of this in my own family. And I want to talk about it. Let's welcome to, to the programme. Let's welcome Gail, who's in Dublin. Welcome, Gail. How are you? I'm good, Richie. Hi, it's great to talk to you. That's great to talk to you. Thanks for reaching out. We don't do enough of this, Gail, to be honest. I, I've tried to encourage this in the past, rather than me go hunting for experts to talk about things all the time, that people might reach out to say, look, I've got a story. So um, so thanks for, for thinking of the programme and thanks for doing it. Um, tell us about your sister. You're going back a year or so, aren't you? Maybe a little bit longer. 
Yes. So um, we're fortunate enough to come from a a fairly big family who we haven't taken, with the exception of one or two, haven't taken the job. We're we're very awake to the global shitstorm that's going on at the moment. And so we were in the bunch of people who were exempt and not allowed to go anywhere and, you know, locked down and secluded. And when we opened back up, my sister would be somebody who likes to go for a pint once or twice a week. Um, So she went to a local pub. Um, say on the on the Friday night she went to the to the pub and mainly everybody around her they'd be a very close community but there was a, a division because she was one of the ones who wouldn't take it so she went to the pub and on the Friday night now she's eight years post menopause no issues no no issues body working perfectly no bleeding no nothing and on the Saturday she woke up and she was um, having a bleed so she rang me and she was like it's just odd like because we're aware of the suspected shedding we, we're not doctors we don't know but we know what we research or we, we hear and we listen to and she's just very odd Gail it's very odd so it stopped after about two days so she didn't go back to the pub for two more weeks everything was fine and the same happened again she woke up the morning after and she was bleeding again um so obviously she's going to be like this is just this is just weird this is, this is not a coincidence twice it's happened twice and she'd be very like they're they're a huggy group of friends so she would have been very much you know, physically interacting with the people who had the vax. And so that happened. And that was, I suppose, when did we come out of lockdown? I think it was, it's a blur at this stage, Richie, like 18 months ago. Yeah, because there was three, um, I, I, was there three in Ireland too? There were three here or three and a half. I think it was yeah, about the same yeah. back home, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think so. It's just hard to remember. There's been so much shite, Richie. It's yeah. just hard to keep track yeah. of all the madness. But so anyway, so that was what it was and we stayed out of lockdown and she continued to socialise but she she suffers, it's a, a bit of a long-winded story and I won't bore you, but she she suffers from sinus problems and she was in Turkey on holidays last September and she was kind of having no luck with the, the medical system over here. They just kind of prescribe some pharma crap and they just you know send you on your merry way. So anyway, she was particularly bad on holidays and went to the Turkish hospital and they did a CT scan of her chest and they discovered that she had breast cancer. Um, she had a lumpectomy in January, got the all clear in February and they did a PET scan in February and they found that she had stage four terminal inoperable um, ovarian cancer and it's now in her lungs and she has stage two in her stomach and in her chest. And this has all happened in the last six months. Um, so I'm very aware of the aggressive cancers because obviously, you know, the, the jabs turn off your killer T cells and all of the above. But it's just, it just, to us, it stinks. It just stinks and it's just, we can never prove it. Now, she went for a consultation after the ovarian cancer was diagnosed. She was in the doctor's um, and she was having a chat with the doctors. There was a nurse there and they were asking her the usual medical questions. And the nurse said to her, now she'd be very vocal. She refused, when she was having the surgery on her breast, she refused to sign the form for a transfusion because she, she said, can you guarantee me it's it's own vax blood? And they were like, no. And she was like, no, I'm not signing. She'd let me die on, on the operating table. She'd not have that shite in my system. So they were looking at her like she had 10 heads. But, you know, she stood by her, 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 her morals and her ethics and she didn't, she didn't sign it. So anyway, she's in for the consultation and the nurse said to her, she was asking her medical history and she said, and have you had um, the COVID vaccine? And my sister said, no. And she said, have you had the Gardasil vaccine? And my sister said, no. And the nurse turned to the doctor and literally just rolled off her tongue. She said, oh, well, it's not them then. And my sister said, excuse me. And the nurse looked kind of looked back, startled, realised she hadn't said it out loud. 
and then turned back to the doctor and just started chatting and tried to change the subject. So it's just And just odd. um just for listeners who might not remember about Gardasil, Gardasil is a vaccine that was um, rolled out to deal with the human papilloma virus, basically, and recommended for, yeah. for girls. And, and yeah, and we know in Ireland alone, let alone in, in Europe and particularly in the Far East, it's devastated many a girl who, who had the vaccine, although this is continually denied by the Irish Health Board and pretty much by everybody else. Yeah. So the North says well, this if you go on to, Sorry, go ahead, Richie. No, 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 you jump right in. What were you going to say there? I was just going to say, if you go on to the Regret, R-E-G, R-E-T, Regret website, it's in relation to Gardasil and there's there's plenty of information there in relation to the the injuries, devastating injuries that, that these teenage girls have suffered. I'm sure boys too, but it's mainly girls. Now, my brother would be a bit big advocate against the Gardasil. He has stood outside schools and he has handed out paperwork and information to to the mammies and the daddies to try to inform them of the the issues around the Gardasil vaccine. So we would be a very vocal family anyway. And active, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of, kind of have to be. You can't kind of be quiet in this tyranny because it's just, you know, it's just getting crazier. Tell, tell us about your sister then. Can you, can, can, can you all be sure that before the COVID thing, let's call it the thing, it's a scam. I think it's a scam anyway, but that's just my opinion. But before the COVID thing, would your sister have been like would you could you be sure that she didn't have anything wrong with her then you know cancer can sometimes begin and it from what i've read now gail i could be talking complete nonsense here this is what they say officially that sometimes it can take you know a period of months or even years for for cancer to kind of creep up on somebody but you said to me i think at the top of this that she had tests relating to issues and that she was healthy she was fully healthy before this yeah, she was absolutely fine. Now, obviously, I can never say, none of us can ever say that this is caused by shedding. But when you when you look into everything that's going on and you know that the evil agenda and part of it is to, to the transmission from, from those who are jabbed to those who are unjabbed. Now, I know we only know what we know and it's all speculation, but it's just to us, perfectly healthy, mingled with the vaxxed, bled the next day, then again the second time. And then within six months, she has inoperable cancer. Now, she's... She she was told she she was given with treatment twelve to eighteen months um a month ago um she's not going for the treatment she won't take chemo because again it's just more toxic shite being pumped into your body and so she's doing the cannabis oil regime so it's the proper stuff you know she's cooking up herself and she's at the moment she's off the radar to us all because she's taken a certain amount per day that she's she's functioning as a human but not as a she can't really interact. But it's the only option she has at the moment, and it's the first time I've really been able to talk about it without crying like a gobshite because it's just because it's been devastated so devastated the whole family. It's been so sudden, Gail. This is the thing. It's been like it's just come out of nowhere, Richie. It literally came out of nowhere, and and it began. Again, I can never say it. Sorry, Gail. Just go through that timeline again briefly, if you don't mind. This began with going out with mates. They would have been jabbed. I mean, in a pub anyway. Most people yeah. would be jabbed. Most people in society are jabbed. Some of our listeners now will dispute this. They'll say I'm talking nonsense. They'll say that far more people refused the jabs than maybe I think, and maybe they're right. I don't know, but I think if you go I don't into think a pub so in Ireland, Richie, no, not, I don't like, think I know so global yeah. Ireland. We, you know, best boy in bloody Europe. I, we we just uh, people are very asleep here. Now I know people are starting to wake up, and thank Jesus, with shows like yourself and loudmouths like me, and we just try to plant seeds as we go, and and that's all we can do is try to plant seeds and. People are waking up, but not enough at the moment. But no, most people, like I do talk, myself and my husband have a chat at the front door and we're like, 
you know, people are starting to wake up, but then we, we go around, just even just our own little estate, and we're going from house to house in our head, and we're like, well, they definitely took it, they definitely took it, and you're like, more people took it than 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 I think we think, even if it was just the one. I have I have one friend, I have one friend who, it was being administered to her by a soldier here in Dublin, and before he put it in her arm, he looked at her and he said, um, are you sure you want this? And she said, yeah, of course. He said, are you not following all the crap? And she was like, yeah, of course I am. He said, and you still want it? And she was like, yeah, like you nearly, nearly tried to talk her out of it. And she said to me, Gail, she said, as soon as that shit went into my veins, I felt like I'd been injected with lead. And she's just not been the same since. My husband's two best friends are, are vaccine injured. Um, I, I do a little bit of cleaning and I've seen significant changes in people's personalities. Um, there are autoimmune diseases that they suffered. Sorry? How do you mean significant changes in the Just personalities? Yeah. Anger. I've got one of my best friends, ma'am. She's had her fourth booster and she's the most beautiful, lovely, gentle soul ever. And she's just turned into this very angry. Now, I know that this talk about the prion disease, which can affect the brain. And I've just seen some personality changes. And it's not that I'm watching out for it, but it's just hard to ignore sometimes. Um, I've got friends who had suffered with like severe herpes or severe dermatitis and they battled their whole teenage years to get over it and these things just rose back to the surface and there's been a lot of a lot of people I know personally who have who have been really unwell um two people I know who had it and got pregnant and their babies um didn't turn out too well should I say without going into detail because I don't want them to be listening but um you know deformities and all the things that you hear that is happening in the in the second trimester or the third trimester of a vaccinated mothers and I'm like Jesus Mary and Joseph like what what are they doing and all the things that were conspiratorial and all the things I sounded crazy for talking about two years ago and I'm literally witnessing it happening all around me Richie and it scares the living shit out of me but that's the thing that's really people- yeah it's difficult I sometimes have a moment too. Like when I think back to, say, late 2020, just before they released these jabs, and I've got to do my bloody media thing in a minute and just make, I'm going to make the the statement that the government has said about this shedding, because the government has, or at least this, this, um, what do they call it? Um, full fact and some of these other groups have attempted to debunk this. I'll do that and then I've covered my arse. But um, the thing that makes me, I suppose, sometimes have a moment is that just before the rollout we heard from very very senior epidemiologists on programs like this who as you just said there Gail they pointed out what they thought would happen and it's pretty much what you've been describing and now it's happening and it's happening to people and they're wondering why is it happening and there is isn't a snowball's chance in hell that anybody in an official position is going to take it on. So you're left wondering. But let me do this bloody mainstream media thing. And this has been actually mentioned by the UK government. It's been mentioned by some of these organisations like Full Fact and, and others. They say that the mRNA jabs are not um, jabs in the traditional sense of the jabs. They don't contain any virus. And therefore the idea, any live virus, the idea that they the recipient could go on to shed viral load and that it could impact on somebody else. They say it's a nonsense. However, I've been listening to and watching people in the States. I've had people on this program who say that's not true. So 
what, what people want yeah, to believe is and, their own business. Like the truth is, the truth is coming out. It's it's becoming impossible to hide. And like with the, I watched over two days the eight and a half hours of the the COVID committee in the European Parliament, headed by Christine Anderson uh, last week, which was absolutely wonderful because you're watching the likes of um, David E. Martin and Pierre Corey and and those kind of people who I've been following for three years now. And they're getting to speak at something like the European Parliament. Now, I know most people in their daily life won't get to see it because it's not pumped through that pharma funded box on their wall. Yeah. But it's still getting a little bit further, you know, so it's getting a little bit further. And it's 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 impossible to hide now. Richie. It's it's becoming impossible. Even the people who've been, you know, asleep at the wheel for, for once. I won't use the sheep word because it's not it's not fair. An awful lot of people have literally, you know, I mean, I was I was a gobshite three years ago. I believed all the bullshit that they fed us through that television. And you only look back upon yourself and you're like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I was so asleep to so many things. And I, I think, think every week is like a new layer is peeled away of the things that you didn't know about. And I think people like you are far more useful than people like me because they'll say about people like me, they'll say, Asher, you have a track record. Years ago, you were banging on about nonsense. But people like yourself, you know, smart people who bought into it, as I did before the mid-2000s, people like you are really invaluable, I think, in terms of speak. Yeah, in terms of speaking to others, because there's something really authentic about that, Gail, in my opinion. You know, I bought into it, but then in 2020, I had to have a look at it again because none of it made any sense. Yeah. Let me read a couple of quick messages I, before you come back in. Annie says, I think I've experienced that shedding myself um, at a packed place in Manchester, lunch with my sister, back to back, seated next to and behind other people. I felt so unwell after an hour. Unbelievable it was. My other unvaxxed friends were telling me I'd been lucky to get away with just a bit of a dodgy day. Now, there's more messages coming in. Diane says, Richie, please mention to Gail something she says, you might have heard of this, fenbendazole. Fenben, F-E-N-Bendazole, yeah. yeah. She says, you can look it up online for those who don't know, it has strong tumour suppressing properties, even in terminal cases. Diane says she's really sorry to hear this um, about your sister. Sincerely, says Diane. And Craig came on to say that you shouldn't be hearing too much about coronaviruses at this time of year because we've had wonderful weather in the spring. It's great. He says, I am seeing an increase in work colleagues who have been jabbed having to take time off of work because of COVID diagnoses. Imagine that. And I believe, Craig, because well, the, 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 I've heard this myself, people who've had the jab becoming sick at this time of year and very sick, Gail. Yeah, like, but you know, Richie, it's just, uh, I have I have one relative, shall I say, and it's, it, this is what you're dealing with. At the, at the start of all this, I was having a bit of a debate, as you do, because at the start of waking up, you kind of, you're so, I think, you get, well, for me personally, I got so passionate about it all that I'm like, because I'm starting to wake up, I'm like, Everybody needs to hear this information. Everybody needs to wake up, but they don't. They don't. They don't want to hear what you have to say because this is your journey. It's not their journey. So you kind of, you eventually learn how to, to word things. You eventually calm down a little bit and you're not so in people's faces. So less is more sometimes. I remember I was having a debate with, with a, a relative, shall we say, um, a relative of my husband. And her answer was, well, like at the end of the day, Gail, if it, if it was a bioweapon that was released, we still have to take our vaccine. And I just thought to myself, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who, who no matter what, they're just going to to bend the knee. So they never again, had any reason. These are the same people who 
Sorry, Sorry Gail. No, 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 no. They, they just never had any reason to distrust the authorities, did they? This is the, no. the point we keep coming back to. Like, if you had a couple of quid, if you had a decent job, and you didn't, you didn't really understand debt, and you never had somebody knocking at your door, the guardie, you see them as pretty friendly. Those people never had any reason to distrust the government. So when the government said in late 2020, right, there's a job available now, you and me and others, we said, Jesus, it normally takes 10 years, do a bit of, bit of research into it, it normally takes 10 years or more to clear a job. That doesn't ring true. We'll give that a wide berth. But the people we've just been describing, our friends and neighbours, never had any reason to distrust the government. Oh, brilliant. That's great then. They must have done really well to get that job out. I'll roll my sleeves up. That's what we were dealing yeah. with in 2020. And the very same kind of people who would literally look at you and say, so what, you're basically saying they're all in it together and trying to penetrate somebody because that was me. That was me three years ago. And if somebody tried to, I mean, I, we have a friend who years and years ago talked about the, the, the stripes in the sky, shall we say. And he was yeah. like, look at them, they're poisonous. And we laughed our asses off at him because we we're like, oh, you think they're trying to. And you're like, and here we are now. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. I was that person who just saw nothing and heard nothing. Were you really? Stay, stay with that for a minute. So an old pal was saying, look up in the sky, Gail. It isn't right. It's not legitimate. Yeah. It's some, and, and you saw, go away, you crazy old bastard. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> my brother was the same. My brother used to say to me, my brother's awake about 30 years and he used to say to me, Gail, paedophiles run the world. Paedophiles are, he used to talk about the people at the top and the hidden hand and the names you'll never know and all of those things he used. And I was like, you're just nuts. You're nuts. And I've had to eat those words 10 times over because he looks at me now and he's like three years and we're together on this journey. But he's like, now do you know where I was coming from? And Again, it's just, I think, I do say to my husband, if you were to try to sit down with somebody who just started to wake up and if they were to say to you, right, Gail, tell me what's going on in the world. Like, where would you even start, Richie? Wouldn't have a clue. Where would you even start? I'm going to remind our listeners, I wouldn't have a clue. Gail got in touch with the programme. Her sister is very unwell at the moment. And that's a terrible thing. And we mean that. Um, Never had a job. When lockdown ended, began going out with friends. Um, That led to some bleeding, um, which was very unusual. We're talking about a healthy woman here. That later led on to a diagnosis of breast cancer and later led on, very, but not later, but, but very quickly, soon after, led on uh, to a diagnosis of ovarian cancer. And the lady who, we're not naming now, has, um, has been given 18 months to live and she's trying complementary medicine. She's staying away from, from, from chemotherapy and is going down the more natural path and th- there's I don't know if you'll get a chance to look at the website later on and the message is coming in here. Loads of love for her. Um, uh, Suzanne says, lost the son in 2001, 30 days after his MMR job. They determined it was natural causes. He was healthy and happy. As she says, I have a happy, healthy second son, unvaccinated. But this vax is transmissible through sex and kissing with the spike protein. Shedding is a dark secret, says Suzanne. My mum's friend wasn't in the vax testing in Stockport with Dr. Baxter. She's now, um, same, same immunology, she says, who jabbed her son. He came out of retirement. My friend can't breathe, never smoked or drink, but she can't breathe now, was in good health. And there's lots of these coming in. Uh, Frank says, what a lovely lady, Richie. God bless to Gail and her family. There's loads of these. Lots of mentions of cannabis oil and keto diets and get rid of sugar out of the diet. I'm sure she's doing all of that, Gail. She's already, yeah, she's sugar-free yeah. now. She's she's 
she's taking everything she can as complimentary. She's she's doing it all. So you know, and she's feeling she's feeling good. She's feeling positive. Um, the guy who put her onto this, uh, I won't say his name either. He was uh, diagnosed in 2017 with inoperable brain tumor, and um, when he was 28, and he's here now and alive and well. Apparently, in this system, it's a thing called paying it forward. So the person who got onto him, same thing. So it's kind of the ripple effect of the survival rate. I know it doesn't work on all cancers, but all we can do is hope. It's all we have. It's literally all we have. And we've all stopped crying and snotting and tearing because we need to deal with the fact that now we're just praying and hoping and wishing that this is going to work. So she has a scan on June 20th. So she had a scan in January and then again in February and there was a slight increase in the cancer, but she had another scan then in March and there was no increase. So she did a scan on the 28th of June and we were hoping that it has either reversed a little bit or slowed it down significantly to the point where she may have years rather than months you know it is what it is and we can't turn the clock back but um i'm just hoping that every one of these cases is just something that even in a small ripple effect of this will just make people think just even a little bit even a little bit yeah um, and you know the the doctors we know and the scientists we know obviously i'll send them um, this I'll send them the interview the conversation we're not having an interview and uh, I'll ask them to you know share some thoughts on it because it is being discussed openly particularly in the states by 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 doctors legitimate doctors who are saying you know that the the unjabbed are at risk from the jabbed and I know it sounds mad even saying that out loud but cleverer people than me are saying this can I just say this as well briefly um, your sister is dealing with something unimaginably serious. What I'm going to say is going to sound trite and silly, but I opened my mind up more recently than I, I'm proud to admit, to be honest, but I opened my mind up to a bit of energy healing. And it's been very good for me with chronic shoulder pain. Really, really, really good. And w- would that be something now, alongside everything else that your sister might be um, looking into? Yeah, it would. Yeah. It would. We're very, we, we grew up in Catholic Ireland like yourself, Richie, but we're very spiritual and, um, no, we believe in energies and grounding yourself. So there's nothing she won't look into. There's nothing she won't look into. And it's so funny because even like just, I think at the start of all this, you have your idea in your head of what, what you grew up thinking God is, but Jesus. And I do hear you now and again, Richie, and, and you make reference sometimes to your own belief where you used to be atheist, now you're agnostic. And I'm the same. I'm like, I just, we don't know. Yeah, But I do feel, I do feel, I don't know if this has happened every couple of thousand years where this bloody evil seems to just infiltrate everything that it is and try to take over. I don't know. I, I don't know. None of us know, but it just doesn't feel like this is their their first rodeo. No, and you find you know, yourself... I, pr- I pray it's their last. I pray it's their last because I pray that this awakening happens. But I know there's an awful lot more in store and, you know, I'm growing me spuds and I'm protecting my grandkids and I'm trying to drip feed them, you know, do you have to be what careful? We as kids. Do you have to be careful with the grandkids or are their mums and dads on board? Oh, they're wide awake. Oh no, they're wide awake. My my two my two children. I drove them nuts for two years. They thought I was losing my marbles, but no, none of my kids are jabbed. My my in law kids aren't jabbed. My grandkids aren't jabbed. I've got um no no I've I've got grandkids that are wide awake. They're only little. They're like ten, ten, seven, and and four. But in the right context, in the right moment, I mean, they're aware of the skies. They're aware of the bullshit. They're aware of school being somewhat of an indoctrination camp and just get it done. They're aware of there are two genders. But they say to me, Nanny, there are two genders. There are only two genders. There's boys and girls. I'm not going to have them brainwashed. I'm not going to have them. And it's all appropriate. It's age appropriate. But they're aware. 
Um, I fought the school over the masks. I went and had it out with the principal. I There was no way my grandkids were going to be masked in school. He wasn't happy, but they never wore a mask. Um, so no, I fight for them. I fight for them because their parents, as much as their parents would fight for them, they're at that kind of early 30s where you just kind of, you're more embarrassed about the fact you might be kind of embarrassing yourself. Whereas I'm 52 and I'm like, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it so um I think the principal shits himself every time he seems to be coming to the school. Well done. But the the benches the benches in the school are painted in the pride colours. So I'm definitely there's nothing wrong with that. I'm Jesus, I'm I be, live your life, be who you want to be, I support everybody. But I'm definitely going to um get in touch and, and see what's on the curriculum for the sex education because I'm not having that crap for us. No, we could spend they a whole they'll, they'll end up in trouble because they'll be telling the principal, sorry principal, but there there are two genders. They're just, they're, just ma- they're just male and female. We, we've had an interesting comment from Isabel. It's meant well, this. Isabel is a regular contributor, right? Richie, would Gail's sister be concerned about um, additional shedding risk, like if she's become unwell because of exposure to somebody who's been jabbed, would she be concerned about then her passing something on herself? It's an awful bloody question, that. Did did you think about I that? I never, no, I didn't, yeah. honestly, honestly, no, that didn't. I think we just were so focused on her and her health and this yeah. journey that that's the first time that's popped into my head, to be honest with you. It's negative, isn't it? She's not being negative, Isabel. I mean, it's a legitimate question. But no, she's been realistic. These evil bastards at the top of this the world, end. they knew there was a cohort of us wouldn't take this crap. Yeah. I'm sure they, they stirring their cauldron. They were like, well, how can we get that, you know, that yeah. group of people? How can we get them? And they're developing, um, they're developing jabs at the moment. I think they might even be ready that well, they won't use them or maybe they will use them and they won't tell us, but they, they do have an idea as to how to deal with the refuseniks and that is the self-spreading mm-hmm. vaccines. Well, you might say to me, well, Richie, if what you believe happened to Gail really did happen, well, we've already got the self-spreading vaccines because... Yeah, but they, know, may, they may, you know, they might, they might yeah. bring it up a notch. And you know the the, the monkeypox fell on its ass because I mean who who could take monkeypox seriously? So yeah. I'm sure the next one will be more terrifying, and apparently it's going to be it's going to be more dangerous for the children. So they just they try to scare us again, and again I do think they have an awful lot more in store for us. But I for one will never bend the knee. My whole family will never bend the knee. And as I do say to my husband, if they come at me with a a gun and a syringe, just shoot me in the head because I'll never have that shit in my system. <laughs> I couldn't live it myself. I couldn't live it myself, Richie. Do you I know? I want to keep myself intact. We 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 have to concern ourselves with things now that were previously unthinkable. You know, somebody. Yeah, I know. I, I said something a couple of weeks ago on the show. It was a throwaway line, but it was serious. It was just a throwaway line, and it really um, got to people. I I got quite quite a few emails afterwards. I said that I have an arrangement with my missus, which I do, that if I ever fall seriously ill, that I'm not to be admitted to any hospital. Now, I mean that. That's not tough talk, you know. You, you know. Now, you might end up having a broken leg or a broken arm and whatever. But I, what I really mean is like respiratory stuff, like respiratory stuff, heart stuff. We have an arrangement. No, because you have to concern yourself these days with um, what might happen to you when you're in there. Do not resuscitate notices, medicines that you don't bloody Richie, well need, you know. Richie, my own husband got pneumonia um, two years ago really bad now I've never heard anybody breathe liquid in my life um, and he breathed liquid and he he almost died at home like literally that's not even me been like <laughs> he nearly died at home and he would not let me bring him to the hospital he wanted to die at home he did not want to 
I couldn't even, like, obviously I wouldn't have been allowed in with him. There was nobody to keep an eye on him. They could have stuck anything they wanted in him. And he was willing to die at home rather than go to the death camp. He called it the death camp. He refused. And I, I couldn't even not support him. I had to support him because I agreed with him. Yeah, they wanted to, um, to just away at home. They wanted to admit me this January. They were very serious about it, like like real pressure in the uh, in the surgery. And I'm like, no, no, I was absolutely white, no oxygen getting in. Like, no, I'll be all right. So the house is only literally twenty. It's 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 fifty meters from the surgery, hundred meters. And I said, nah. And I was in a bad way. But all I had in my mind was images of me becoming unconscious and then being intubated or something like that and yeah. I thought no yeah. Midazolam no. up the wazoo and, and oh there you go more funding for the hospitals cha-ching here we go yeah. another another COVID death another statistic yeah. and, you know it's just and it terrifies me Richie it terrifies me because all the things that your foundation of life were built upon all the things you trusted the government your church whatever it be the hospitals especially the bloody hospitals and this massive rogue has been whipped from underneath us and for for the start of the awakening, for me, it's like, where where do we turn to? What do we do? There's all the bodies that we assumed would be there to support us and that we could turn to. We're just taken in one fell swoop because you realise they're all in bed together. And we're acting against us. We're yeah. acting against us. And it's us. just crazy. Gail, we're, we'll leave it there for today. First of all, thanks for thinking of the show to get in touch and talk about it. It's very, very serious. You've opened a big can of worms, which is great. You'll see that if you go onto the comment on the website. And I can tell you, Gail, I don't lie, there's been nearly 75 messages to the app. And if I just go through them now, they're all really positive. Edwina, God bless Gail and her family. Amazing things happen with cannabis. I pray it'll work for her. Such terrible, terrifying times. Love and light to you, Gail. That's from Edwina. There are loads of them on uh, on the message. So good luck to your sister. Good luck to you. Come back and chat with us again, Gail, will you? You're, you're in touch Can with I us. Say, one more thing? say whatever you like. Go ahead. Say one more thing before I go? Go ahead. I know people say this to you all the time and you're brutal at taking compliments because you're an Irishman an Irish and you're a bloke and you're brutal. But honest to Jesus, when people say to you, and I'm going to say it now, when we say to you that you have kept us sane, I don't think you will ever understand. I know you're all humble and please don't say the things you always say and be all humble, but you'll never understand the importance of you. Never understand the importance of the, the dark humour, the raw honesty, everything that you bring to our homes and our ears and our lives every single day of the week you are magic and if you believe in souls and you believe that they came here for a journey and to to be whatever they are your soul chose to be one of the most influential and amazing things in our homes every day and i just i don't even know you but i love you and thanks for everything that you do I don't know what to say You're to magic. that, Gail, except thanks very much. But then don't say anything. Don't I say won't. Anything. You're just magic, Richie, and thank you for everything. Thank you, and I mean it. Good luck to your sister now, and keep in touch with us, and come thank back you. and tell us how she's getting on, won't I, you? I will indeed, Richie, and you take care of yourself and that beautiful wife of yours and those gorgeous dogs. Thanks a million, Gail. That's um, Gail in Dublin, who reached out to the programme overnight to tell us about her sister and what um, they think might have happened to her. Um, she's got a battle ahead of her. She's going down the natural route, which is... I think advisable. I I shouldn't be telling anybody what to do because I don't have any qualifications. But um, I think, God forbid, if I find myself, and I might do, in that situation in the future, I'd be taking the the same route. So good luck to Gail and her sister and her family. Amazing lady, really. Thanks, Gail, for that. The time is just 
after six o'clock. Um, Maria should be standing by in Arizona. Thanks for all the messages for uh, Gail, to Grace Anne, to Dean, to Dell, to Dan, to Sam Carno. All these wonderful messages coming in. It's lovely. And when I said at the top of the programme, need to do a bit more of that. So when you have a story reach out to me, talk to me, and we'll get you on the programme. That's what the programme is for, ultimately, is it not? This is um, Thursday's Richie Allen Radio Show, live from BBG Towers here in Salford. Uh, Maria Heller is on the way. She's in Arizona this evening. It's got to be warm there. If it's warm here, it's warm there. This is music from the Gypsy Kings and Boiler May. The time is two minutes past six. Back in a couple of minutes. That is music from the Gypsy Kings on the Richie Allen Show. The time is uh, approaching five minutes past the hour, just before we welcome back the amazing, the wonderful, the beautiful, the ingeniously talented Maria Heller. Thanks to Dino, to Sharon S, to Christine Walsh, to Peter, to Mandy in Warrington, and to Paul, who said they echo what um, Gail said at the end there. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Uh, my guest this hour, no introduction needed whatsoever, host of the oldest podcast on the net, on the net even, a terrific broadcaster for her shows and her archive, which is, she's got more in her archive than all the presidential libraries put together. Let's welcome the great Maria Heller back to our programme. Welcome back, Maria. Hi, Richie. It's great to be back. It's great to be back. Dino says... This is sexist stuff now. This is Me Too stuff. Wait till I tell you this. Dino says, looking forward to Maria Ritchie. Hell yeah, the sexiest woman on the radio, Ritchie. You tell her. You're told. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're told. I oh, echo. I, tell him thank you. I guess I have the face for radio. No, you don't. You have a, you have a, a face for telly. <laughs> you have a face for telly. You have a face for the, for, for, for the IMAX cinema. Come here and I tell you. I'm delighted you're back. And... Uh, there's so much I want to ask you and then shut up and listen to you. So I'm going to ask you straight up. How do you feel about the presidential campaign of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I'm all for it. That's how I feel. All for it. He already has my vote. Tell us about him. Tell us about this incredibly interesting man who comes from this tragic family. His old man was murdered by the deep state. His uncle was murdered by the deep state. He said some wonderful things about the vaccine dangers. He stood out against lockdowns. He seems to be a great guy. Tell us about him, Maria. What do we need to know about RFK Jr.? Well, you pretty much summed it up. You know, I don't think that he's a sellout like what we always get. Uh, You know, he is once again wants to reinvestigate the murder of his father and his uncle. So I kind of worry that maybe this guy won't stay alive. But everyone should go to YouTube, I guess it's still there, and listen to his announcement. It was an hour and a half. It was pure music to my ears. And what's crazy is the character assassination has already begun the same way they did uh, to Jack Kennedy after he died. You know, it wasn't enough to assassinate the president. Then they had to assassinate his character. Uh, But, you know, the question is, you know, is this guy capable of even getting the nomination? Yeah. He, funnily enough, somebody from his campaign reached out. You always try, but you don't imagine, because this program isn't in the United States, and there are a billion requests for interviews. But um, strangely enough, he might be. We might be able to swing something. Um, I'm sure he'd be interested in speaking to you too, with your enormous audience. But this is the thing, isn't it, Maria? I mean, we know 
that the President of the United States generally tends to be the most controlled or one of the most controlled human beings on earth. Here we've got RFK Jr. calling it as he sees it and many of us see it the same way he sees it. And you touched on it there, the, the, the man might be in grave danger because if his campaign did gather momentum and he started to get some donations in and he started to get a bit of, um, you know, he started to gather a bit of pace, he'd have to be looking over his shoulder, wouldn't he? Would they dare, do you think, take out another Kennedy? Well, I wouldn't put it past the powers that be. You know, look at what we've had as presidents ever since and the threats that they all have to live under. You know, I honestly believe that when anybody runs for office, they show them there's a prude of them. Uh, but, you know, we've had nothing but corporate uh, people, pay, you know, picked by the people behind the scenes. You know, America is now truly a corporatocracy. And if people can't see that, I mean, it's a corporatocracy from everything. From the price of food, food is a monopoly now. You know, we have, I think, six grocery chains. Uh, people are starving in the streets. You've got all these corporations that bought up all the housing and now charging people double, double the rent, et cetera, to live there. Corporations making our laws. Uh, I warn people about corporatocracy and also dominionism as their goal uh, 23 years ago. Uh, so, you know, I don't think that America will survive uh, another as business as usual election. I remember you years ago saying to me that I should watch a documentary entitled Wall Green, the high price of low cost. It was you who turned me on to that about, oh, yeah. about what these gi gigantic supermarkets would do to the the green grocer the fishmonger um the small trader the corner shop the 7-eleven store and right. we, we, we it started in the united states we've seen it over here and is it an, isn't it amazing to think that those gigantic corporations like walgreen and others they're now in danger of being wiped out by jeff bezos aren't they well yeah i mean there's nothing you can't buy you know, it's funny because when I go to check out my groceries, the guy will say, you know, were we able to find everything you were looking for? And I'll tell them, no, the only place I found what I was looking for was Amazon. Then I'll also tell them that I found a seller online, a private seller that sells the veggie burgers I like for way less money. So I order those online. Uh, but you have to also remember when I started my show all those years ago, I told people. The internet will replace everything, okay? Everything from newspapers, radio, television, uh, retail. You know, here they're predicting another 2,000 stores going bust in America. You know, retail is, is as good as dead in this country. Uh, so, you know, American greed is the creed, I guess. There's a little poem for you. Uh, you know, just as an example, you know, Phoenix is hardly what I would call, you know, a paradisic place to live. OK, it might have been that, I don't know, 50 years ago, but it's pretty much a hellhole, you know, between the heat, between the lack of water, between the congestion. Now the crime, the crime is probably equal to California. Uh, and yet a two bedroom apartment, if you're lucky to find one, 
is almost $2,000 a month. And I'm telling you that they're literally shit boxes. You know, even in my little town, a person trying to sell a pretty beat up manufactured home that's probably been on that property for, you know, 50 years, they want over $300,000 for something like that. So Agenda 2030 is in full force. I see every now and then I come across photographs on the British broadsheet newspapers and they're astounding now because apart from maybe the Telegraph, maybe occasionally the Guardian, right? Nobody is touching this. Apparently in cities across America, your underpasses and your storm drains are packed full of people, many of whom have jobs. This astounds me, Maria. People living on mattresses and who go to work. Now, listen, I find it totally sickening. You know, I watch a lot of YouTube at night. And, you know, when you have people in their 70s in America who have worked their entire life, uh, and maybe because of medical bills or high rent or whatever, and now you see them not just living in tents on the street, but, you know, trying to convince themselves they're happy living in their car. And the other new phenomenon, I don't know if it's caught on in the UK, is this uh, deal they're trying to sell everybody called tiny houses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And this is to get you used to having nothing. And I don't understand how people don't see it, especially after all the years that I have talked about Agenda 2021, Agenda 2030, we're there. Uh, so it's pathetic, you know, and here they call them unhoused. No, they're not unhoused. They're homeless, you know, and, and in a country where they want to force religion now, you know, Christian religion, of course, into our schools, where's the Christian acts? Yeah, but they, but they're, it's not genuine Christian people, is it? Forcing? No, no it not. isn't. Of course not. Because I was lucky enough when I was younger, when I went to school, to meet with priests in St. Saviour's Parish in, in Ballybeg, you know, guys who rolled their sleeves up and got stuck in with the community, gentlemen, you know, real people who mm-hmm. who believed in Jesus, who believed in the teachings. And yeah, it's not Christians really forcing these agendas on kids in schools. At least I don't see it. You've touched on something there now about the small houses. I've noticed, M- Maria, that our cities here in the UK are basically emptying out because they've encouraged people to work at home since the COVID thing. And that means because people are working at home, the businesses in the cities are failing. Now, you've already said this, so you know this, of course, this isn't new to you. But strangely enough, Maria, at the same time, skyscrapers are beginning to get off the ground in Manchester, in Liverpool, in Leeds, in Birmingham. And I'm thinking... Who are these skyscrapers meant for in the city centres if people are no longer working in the city centre? And then it occurred to me, you talked to me many years ago about human settlement zones. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. What did you call them? Shit boxes, right? Shit boxes. That's and what they're building. They're going to sell it to people as 15 minute cities. Like yeah. it's a convenience. So you'll live in a small box like the people in Japan do. You won't be able to own a car. 
you'll have to use public transportation and you can't go outside your city limit of 15 minutes unless you know you get a special pass every month or two you can you know go a little further this is all about a prison planet no matter how you look at it uh until of course they can figure out a way to kill us all uh or you know how many people they'll need to service their robots uh and the rich uh, but to convince people that the best way to live is in one of these tiny houses or in your car, convert your van, and they have all kinds. You People can watch this stuff on YouTube. I'm not making it up. Yeah, but hang on a second now. Let's be fair about it. Chapter and verse, when I first met you 10, 11, 12 years ago, chapter and verse, you were warning that this was going to happen within the next 15 to 20 years. Um, you've not gotten the timeline wrong. You've been pretty much bang on the money because it's going to accelerate now in the next two to three years, isn't it? Just before 2030. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, like I always say, it may not always be right, but I'm never wrong. But you're never wrong. <laughs> you know, I've been watching these demons for so long, and that's what I call them, demons. They become very predictable. And I mean, they put it out there for everybody to see. But if I mention Agenda 2030 to the average person, they don't know what I'm talking about. No. Uh, so, you know, they're still waiting for their government to save them. Uh, and, you know, I've always believed the only thing I trust governments anywhere to do is kill us all. Is to kill us all. Now, on RFK Jr., Chris says, and it's a very good point Chris makes here. He says, RFK is still a total wazak. Wazak is a derogatory term, presumably, when it comes to the illegitimate state of Israel. So if either you or Maria ever do interview him, please give him a hard time on Israel. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I, I don't, I've, I've never asked you your thoughts, I don't think, on Israel. I would be very much pro the indigenous people of Palestine. Israel commits crimes against humanity, against the Palestinians morning, noon and night. And that's right. how I see it. But um, should we be concerned that RFK is a vocal supporter of Israel or not? Listen, if we're looking for perfection, the last perfect guy ended up with uh, nails through his hands and feet, according to legend. Uh, and this is, again, you know, I, I know it's probably tiring to continue to hear me say this. Bernie Sanders, who is a Jew, OK, is totally against our support of Israel. Bernie Sanders, who is totally against this ridiculous deal they made on the debt ceiling here. Bernie Sanders, still the only guy fighting for seniors' uh, rights in America. Uh, but of course, Bernie Sanders didn't have a shot because he wasn't wearing the right suit. Well, he was conned out of the nomination by people working for the Clinton campaign, right? Conned or threatened. I think he was threatened. Yeah, uh, that's my opinion. He and his family were probably threatened because, you know, that I read people. That's part of what I do. It's easy for me to read body language. It's easy for me to read their faces. It's actually easy for me to read their whole life if I want to. Uh, and when I saw him at the uh, Democratic convention where he was forced to endorse Hitlery, uh, I could see it all over his face. Plus, he had bruises. Let's not forget that. He had bruises on his face, too. Uh, so, 
As far as Kennedy, I guess we'll just have to see. But I think if they're going to run the same two old tired horses in 2024, they're going to find a lot of people aren't going to bother voting. And we we're looking down the barrel here of Rishi Sunak, who is a Goldman Sachs banker. He's, mm-hmm. the, as you well know, the current prime minister. He will be going up against um, a complete establishment stooge, a guy called Sir Keir Starmer, if you please, another establishment whoremonger. There's no choice here. Just a very quick question. Craig, listening to this, he mentioned a book to me last week on the comments on the, on the website, and he wonders if you've heard of it. I haven't, but I am intrigued by it. It's a book by somebody called Frank Buckman, and Buckman is B-U-C-H-M-A-N, and it's called The Moral Rearmament Movement. Uh, no, no, he's from The Moral Rearmament Movement, and his book is called Remaking the World. Does that make any sense to you? I have not heard of that book. No, it sounds intriguing, though. I, I, get, I don't know if this is related to what Craig is saying. It might not be, but listeners talk to me often from your neck of the woods and they say Richie you know it's important that we have guns and sometimes the government will or the deep state will use a false flag event to try and you know take our guns off us and I always say innocently because I know nothing about guns that you know your guns probably won't do you any good if they send in the stormtroopers into your cities and I could be wrong and people get really annoyed when they say that. They say, oh. uh, people get pissed at me when I say the same thing because they have no idea of the kind of weapons that our governments have. And you own a gun. Let's not forget that. Well, I mean, I can understand somebody owning a handgun for self-protection. I can't understand anybody's need to have an ARAK-15, which is only created for mass shootings, which... We've already had more mass shootings in America this year than days in 2023. Uh, You know, I I mean, I I actually got to have now a segment on my show of, you know, today's shootings. Um, It's out of control. You know, right after a mass shooting in in, uh, Hollywood Beach in Florida, uh, DeSantis, who, you know, is Mussolini reincarnated, had nothing to say about the mass shooting that happened on a beach, kill, you know, hitting a one-year-old baby and nine other people. But he's very proud that he's eliminating the need for any kind of uh, certification or whatever to get a gun. Uh, I don't think that even if you have an a- AR-15 and you're listening, uh, that's not going to do you any good with the kind of exotic weapons yeah. that our government has. But what if one of my listeners said to you, Maria, give over. If they're entitled to have them, why can't I Why can't I have one? I'm a responsible gun owner. I've learned how to fire a gun, how to clean a gun, and how right. to store a gun. You could have a rifle, you could have a handgun. Remember the Second Amendment, when it was written, uh, it was for muskets. Okay, they didn't have, uh, you know, the kind of weapons of mass destruction that have been created by the NRA since. So if you want to have a musket that you have to load yourself with gunpowder, etc., feel free to have it. Uh, But I got my gun legally. They did a background check on me. I took classes to have it. Uh, I don't think that these are outrageous things. Uh, for anybody that wants to have a weapon to uh, have to go through. You mentioned... Okay, you've got one yeah. GOP governor, I've got, I forget where, 
I just had, and I just did my new show early so I could be on your show. So when I was covering all the gun stuff, this governor uh, luckily vetoed the law that the legislator of his state wanted to make for violent prisoners to get a gun when they get out of prison. And that's, that, that is insane. I mean, this country's gone insane. That is insane. Well, the, the thing I look at, let's look at the Twin Towers on 9-11, okay? We may not ever know exactly what was used to demolish those buildings, but my guess it was some kind of exotic weapon. Uh, when you look at the microwave weapons, the sound cannons, the water cannons, uh, the SWAT teams and how loaded with weapons that they are, uh, if people honestly believe that their gun is going to protect them from their government, they need to get educated. No, I think it's like people in World War Two. That's you know they saved all their gold. They thought gold was going to be their answer, but they didn't count on the government coming in and confiscating all your gold and taking it away. No, look, um, the thing about you and programs like yours is they they are nuanced. You, I, I think ultimately you're right. I, I do. I, I think you're right. Look, some some listeners will vehemently disagree and they'll stick to that point if the government can have them i should have them as well but i agree with you wholeheartedly agree with you they're using sophisticated listen to this richie in california where the people voted no to use robot police dogs oh yeah 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 they are still going to use the robot police dogs is this boston dynamics us all with covid didn't work Okay, so if they came at you with another biological weapon, which I believe COVID was a failed biological weapon, uh, what good is your AR-15 going to do you? No good. Boston Dynamics. Is that the the, the manufacturer of the robot dogs? Yeah, it might be. It's one. I think so. Listen, this all started with tasers. All right. You remember when tasers first came out? What was that? 20, 30 years ago? Yeah. I already saw the danger of that. And it just happened, I was on a flight and the guy sitting next to me, because you know, those tases come out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, I interviewed the guy who invented them. People might not know that. Yeah. And it just happened, I'm sitting next to the CEO of the taser company. (laughs) And I looked at him and I said, how can you live with yourself knowing that those tasers are killing people? The guy had no answer for me, Richie. No, because he has a house in the Hamptons. So exactly. in, in reality, he doesn't give a shit, really. Simple as that. Well, human life has no meaning anymore. No one puts any premium on human life. It's, it's worthless. Let me, before I ask you a little bit about Ukraine, because I haven't a clue what's going on or why. You are listening to Maria Heller. The Maria Heller Show is unmissable. Find out more about it if you are new to Maria at meria.net. Not only is the show terrific listening every day, but as I said, there's an archive there that is the equal of about 20 presidential libraries, right? Of interviews (laughs) with people who, strangely enough, 25 years ago, predicted this kind of thing was going to happen. I... Look, I studied history at uni and I know that the United States and NATO and France and Italy and Germany and Israel have been antagonising the Russian state for many years. Promises were made at the end of the Cold War. 
that NATO would not continue to encroach um, on Russia. Those promises were broken, right? We know that in 2015, the Ukrainian government was basically overthrown. This was overseen by a woman called Victoria Newland, the US Secretary of State for, for Eurasia. And um, since then, we've had fighting in eastern Ukraine, uh, Russian separatists and whatnot, and so on, so on, so on. People say Putin has a legitimate grievance, and others say he doesn't. I don't understand this conflict. I, Before you come in on it, I see this conflict as another kind of a false flag. Even though people have been killed and people have been bombed, I have no doubt that fighting goes on, but that the conflict itself is an excuse to advance the 2030 agenda because we're all impoverished. We're all spending more at the supermarket because because of Ukraine. You know, it's the right. Ukraine, energy bills and it's because of Ukraine. What do you think is going on there, this protracted kind of quagmire Ukraine war? What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's uh, similar to the COVID lockdown. That didn't work enough to starve enough people worldwide. Uh, so now we've got this proxy war, which is a proxy war, you know, no matter how you look at it, this is America versus Russia. Uh, NATO, you know, is the one world army, so, you know, no use for them. Uh, and, and you always have to look at and say who benefits, okay? And who benefits is usually followed by follow the money. You know, here in the United States in this BS uh, deal, that they made for the supposed debt ceiling. Uh, they included something like $868 billion for the military. If you look at you know Raytheon and all the military makers here in the United States, uh, they're making bank on this war, okay? It's a lot of people making money. Then you look at Zelensky, who is, you know, the guy was a comic before he became uh, president. You know, we had that in reverse here. We had a comic, <laughs> we had a comic for a president uh, with Trump. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's made a name, a world name for himself. So you got a lot of people, I'm sure, donating to his cause. Uh, it, this is also destroying Russian people's way of life because they too are suffering. So you have to look at, well, who's benefiting from any of this? And it's always the war machine. And the war machine starts a war whenever the world economy is ready to crash. And it's crashing. Yeah, and you, you've been talking about it in recent episodes of uh, the Maria Heller show, of course, you know, no matter what happens, a tiny, tiny few become increasingly wealthy and the rest of us end up basically scrapping for for the scraps. Just one comment on the guns. Um, Bob, I love having you on because uh, we get we always get a, you know, a balanced kind of a view on these issues. Bob says, Richie, put this to Maria. The purpose of the Second Amendment, millions of armed citizens will never be defeated by a tyrannical government, no matter how sophisticated their weapons are, also known as Vietnam or Afghanistan. So he's comparing the situation that people in the United States are in now. You've got tyranny in your country. He says the Second Amendment is great because if if the citizens are armed properly, well, the government can't defeat them. But I think Bob is missing your central point which is the citizenry will never have access to the weaponry 
of the deep state. That's your point, Maria. Of course not. And it was supposed to be for a well-armed and regulated militia. Now what we have is these fat, overstuffed, out of shape, crazy people who want to you know, dress up in fatigues and just go out and open fire in a supermarket or you know, down the street or now on a beach or whatever. And I also look behind that and say, they want to convince us that we're not safe anywhere. And if you're convinced you're not safe anywhere, you're going to ask your government to save you. And your government will put you in those 15-minute cities or those, you know, 8 by 10 uh, apartments. Uh, you know, make you laugh, Richie. I had to see a doctor this week, and he stuck me in a little room waiting for the doctor to come in. I don't know how it is where you are. I was in that room for over an hour before he came in. The room was basically, I want to say, 8 by 10. It had a bed in it and a little cabinet and a chair and horrifically bright lights. By the time the doctor first came in, my first words to him were, now I know what it feels like to be in solitary confinement. And he looked at me, he said, why would you let your mind go there? And I said, well, take a look around. I said, and we have people in this country in solitary confinement for years on end. Uh, this is the way the housing that they want you to live in. You know, you can go and look at, uh, you know, apartments in New York. And some of these apartments are actually even smaller than eight by 10. And these people are paying two, three, four thousand dollars a month to live in squalor. To live in squalor, yeah. Somebody called John has suggested that I take my tongue out of your ass because I never challenge you. <laughs> Jesus, all I do when we chat is challenge you. I've challenged you on the guns. There are people who disagree. I've said they you think... You challenge me all the time. All the time. But John is one of those, you see. John likes echo chambers. John likes to go and listen to a show where John is fed back everything he believes. And that's not good, John. Don't be that guy. I challenge well, Marie all the time. A lot of podcasts that they advertise are so boring that you should listen to them when you want to go to sleep. Exactly. 100%. My show has never been that. It's never going to put you to sleep. It might keep you awake, but it's not going to put you to sleep. It definitely is not and going listen, to put you to it's sleep. It's okay. We could all disagree, but we have to learn how to disagree like human beings. 100% right. Absolutely. Um, and John, thanks for listening, by the way. I appreciate that. I see a lot of things differently than Maria sees them, but um, where we agree is on the end result. We know where it's all going. Where we sometimes disagree is on how they might be getting there. But um, let me ask you about the culture wars, right? I'm a firm believer that identity politics is one of the greatest tools in the armory of the oppressors. You know, I think they very cleverly, Absolutely. haven't they, over the years set people against each other based on their Absolutely. identity. And I try to explain this to people. Like I've had some trans women and even some trans men come on to me on social media, giving me loads of grief. And I say, look, hang on, hang on, hang on. You need to engage with me. Come on the programme, we'll have a chat. I, I was, I'm a 48-year-old guy. I once acted as a bodyguard. This is no joke. For gay men who were genuinely fearful when they were going to a gay nightclub in my hometown many years ago. I know what gay, lesbian and trans people went through many years ago. Um, there's been incredible changes in the Western world, maybe not so much in the Eastern world. 
but that young gay and lesbian women and trans people they do not have to put up with the things that people had to put up with years ago. Most of us are delighted for somebody to live as they feel they should live, to wear what they want to wear and to use whatever pronouns they want. But some of us, like me, want to stop it when they say, look, we should have the right to go into spaces reserved for biological women. I say, no, I'm a man, so maybe I, you know, maybe I don't have a dog in the fight. But if, if biological women say that they are concerned about this, we must listen to biological women. Trans women should suck up, you know, accept that and and kind of move on. That you can't force people to believe that you're a real woman. You can live as a real woman. I'm happy for you to live as a real woman, but you can't compel me to believe it. So all of that's going on. And maybe it's serious at the kind of at the, at the, at the core level because it is impacting on people's lives. But I can't help thinking, the more I read about it, the more I talk about it, that it's just fiendishly clever identity politics that's meant to keep us all apart from one another when really well, we should be standing shoulder to yeah, shoulder. Interesting, because I had Richard Grove on the show yesterday and we discussed that. Uh, and the truth of the matter is it's the old divide and conquer, but now it's distract and conquer. Hate. Hate this person because. Yeah. Get, yeah. You know, fill in the blank. And I think it's because uh, LGBTQ people have become have come so far and have been accepted. And now we have, especially in this in this country, you know, we have the fake Christian GOP uh, who are all so holy, but every week they're getting busted for pedophilia and rape and God knows yeah, what else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's the old do as I say, not as I do. Uh, and, and I even had this discussion with a couple of old guys at my gym exactly on this target. And I said, but how does that affect you? What are they doing to you? Nothing. I said, this is just divide and conquer to keep your mind off everything that's going wrong in this country and everything going wrong in this world. Well said, but and there is a but. Hang on. List, they actually turn, turned around and, and changed their minds. Do you know what? Well said, but there is a big but here. This is where we will probably fundamentally disagree. Mm -hmm. Um we cannot compel the wider population to accept what we know to be blatantly untrue. And that is women do not have penises. That's number one. But number two, I think more importantly, when we went to school, we were allowed to find our own way when we got into high school to determine for ourselves what we are and where we're going. I think it's terrifying that they're going into schools, particularly here in the UK and in Ireland, with these new relationship and sex education um, modules. And they're telling children that there are dozens and dozens of genders and all of this sort of stuff. This is very damaging, Maria, in my opinion. And it's come out of nowhere in recent years. And I'm sure you know this. Most older people who might be gay or lesbian or trans, they're not in favour of it. And they're shaking their heads. This is the queer theory stuff which has kind of come about. That's dangerous stuff. So I agree with pretty much everything you said, except on this point. That's where I think we need to pay attention Thomas, to. When it comes to when it comes to sex education, my own opinion, this is, you know, not based on any surveys or studies, just me being a mom and a grandmother, is children truly should not decide what they are or aren't until they at least reach puberty because they really don't know, okay? When you're a kid, 
you could be you could be how could we say sexually experimenting with somebody of your own sex not necessarily meaning that you're going to turn out to be gay or a lesbian yeah um children this is a normal thing for children to want to experiment and explore uh and i think Teaching sex education is a good thing, even though they want to take it completely out of school. So we'll have more knocked up teenagers than we normally do. Uh, but I don't think that a child uh, should make any decision for themselves until they're at least hit puberty, maybe beyond. Yeah, let them be children. I mean, this notion of 100 genders and stuff and... Well, but you know, a lot of the, you got to look at who are the adults pushing this. What's what's the bottom what's line? What's the agenda? Yeah. Okay, Texas, they want to put the Ten Commandments in every school. Of course, nobody in Texas follows the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right. uh, so uh, I think that was shut down. But I think they also want to put in place of guidance counselors, they want to put in uh, priests, religious men. Uh, and we know, you know, what priests like to do to children. Some, not all. All right. But, you know, for me, you know, where somebody goes to the bathroom, I could give a crap less. You know, I mean, most of the gyms I go to, the bathrooms are for both sexes. They don't have a separate ladies' yeah, room or yeah, separate yeah. men's Yeah, but room. hang Nobody on now. Hang on. Hang on, my great friend. Hang on. That's you, though. But if a biological woman, not a prejudicial bone in her body says right. I am uncomfortable with a with a man essentially who identifies as a woman penis intact sharing my dressing room we must take that on board and the biological woman must prevail in my opinion well yeah I mean yeah. But I'll tell you the truth I'd rather have that gay guy in there than a Republican man but gay guys, you see, and trans women are two totally different things, aren't they? A lot of right. if somebody's actually, you know, remember, well, yeah, I don't know, because you are kind of a young, you're a little young whippersnapper. Not a chance, go uh, on. But I remember back in the day when Christina Jorgensen was the first transsexual. I don't know if you remember that. She made every newspaper in the country, yeah. and she turned out to be a very beautiful woman. Well, did Christina have the surgery? So had the yes, she had the surgery. Had the surgery, right? Uh, one of the stars on the soap that I watch had the surgeries, and she's stunning. Okay, she's prettier than most of the other actresses. Yeah, I don't have a problem with what anybody no, not does. A chance. As long as they're not doing it to me, you well, know what I'm saying? Yeah, is anybody I... forcing that on you? No. Uh, what they do is irrelevant. People are starving. We're pushing for World War Three, nuclear annihilation. The, uh, the the nuclear doomsday clock is at like I don't know thirty seconds to midnight. Uh, you, we've destroyed the Earth and the environment. Whales are now teaching each other how to overturn yachts and boats in the ocean. That's a fascinating story. Tell, to us, me. tell us about this, because this is something that I just scratched the surface of. In the times. Go ahead. I was blown away. First, I think they were orcas. And then we got these uh, big killer whales, the jumbo ones. And obviously, since humans think they're the only ones that are smart, uh, this school of whales, is they're teaching each other to destroy and overturn yachts and boats in the ocean. You know, I don't know if you remember uh, the book Animal Farm. Yeah, of course, Orwell, yeah. But 
it's like, look at this, it's coming alive where, you know, they'll start attacking us for their own survival. Okay. <laughs> I find it fascinating because I think a lot of those whales are smarter than a lot of people I know. They they are apparently really smart. Are, were they attacking commercial, like big commercial boats? I think they took down one big commercial boat, but mostly yachts. So too bad for the super rich. That's what I say. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, so we're, it, we're, the women, where human beings like us are arguing over all these topics you and I just discussed. Yeah. Okay. The whales are smart enough to go after the rich. We should be going after the rich that have created this and create the hysteria every day to keep us fighting amongst each other because then they feel safe. But now there's a new phenomena starting, only starting in America, where people are attacking the rich. You know, and it reminds me of that, that movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, Gangs of New York where the same thing happens when the rich could get out of conscription for 300 bucks, yeah. but the poor people had to go to war. Yeah. And then they attacked the rich. Uh, so this is not a time to be flaunting your wealth in America. I don't know what it's like in your country, but not a good idea to be flaunting it here. Let me read a couple of quick comments. Eamon says, we can all disagree, Richie. Yes, we can, Eamon. And then he says, Maria is getting a nice soaping from you. No, she's not, Eamon. I've put the counterpoint to her every time, Eamon. What do you want me to do? Would, would, would you like me to start screaming at her Bill O'Reilly style? <laughs> First of all, she's a great friend of mine and a, and, a, and a dear friend. And secondly, I don't do that to people. I put the other argument to them. OK, and then he says that he says, I'm just one of those. He, he means himself Christian redneck, redneck paedophiles, according to Maria. But Maria hasn't called you or anybody else a Christian redneck well, paedophile. Well, I can call him anything, or, so or anybody that might else. be his guilt popping and up. He, he must have, kids wear yeah, it. And he must not have heard me say not all priests are pederasts, you see. People like to hear what they want to hear. They don't hear what's actually going on. I'm putting the other point to Maria and I'm respectfully then getting out of her way. It's called an interview. Patricia says the objection started when trans people are going into schools and the children are being confused by seeing a man in a dress. Also when stores started selling trans clothes with inappropriate words on those children's clothes, people were accepting and tolerant until children became targets. Oh, and keep men who identify as a woman out of women's bathrooms and showers. Most women are uncomfortable with that. That's our mutual friend, by the way, uh, Patricia, who makes that point. And Craig makes a point. He sent a link to something called the newadvent.org. So if listeners would like to follow Craig's link, go to Comment Live on the website. And it's um, from the Catholic Encyclopedia. And he, 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 he found something, a reference known as the Age of Reason, the name given to that period of human life at which persons are deemed to begin to be morally responsible. This, as a rule, according to the Catholic Encyclopedia, happens at the age of seven. That's really interesting if Catholics believe, or at least the, the, the hierarchy believes that children are morally responsible age seven. I'm not sure... I would agree that children uh, are more responsible. By the age of seven, a child's personality is usually fully formed. Fully formed, yeah. But, but that's but, their personality. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't set boundaries for that child or teach them anything else. But they're generally, you know, who they're going to be 
uh, personality-wise, but he could be right. Yeah. But, you know, years ago, I want to say it was the early 90s, uh, I went to France, and I was surprised because every public bathroom in France was men and women. And I said, wow, this is weird. I felt a little weird, you know, seeing a man in the same bathroom, even though, you know, you had stall uh, doors. Uh, but then I got used to it. And that was like a real man. You know what I mean? <laughs> a regular born a man. Here I am a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so different cultures have different, um, how could we say, different rules. And but to say one is right and one is wrong, is it's it's coming from judgment and sometimes from fear. Yeah, I think you're right. I was, you... in, uh, I was in Tahiti. You want to go to the bathroom in Tahiti, you're going in a hole in the ground, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I was like, in, what the yeah. hell is this? Uh, but... Uh, but well, then again, hang on, hang on. Then again... Listen, they have such an issue with children now, but they have no issue with children having to do active scooter, uh, shooter drills in school, That's which it. I think is way more damaging. That's Sending a really good children point. children to school with the fear that they might get shot, having to wear Kevlar backpacks. That's a really good point, that. Yeah. I, and nobody seems to care about that. As for okay. you... As hey, for, let's take it in the, the order of importance. Imagine, you're you know, right, imagine the damage. It's not. A woman, a woman called Kat Dealey, who's a British television personality, she was living in the States, I think in New York, I think, or maybe somewhere else, maybe Florida. But she was there with her husband. He's another television guy called Patrick Keelty. And uh, they seem nice enough for celebrities anyway, you know. But um, they relocated back to the UK because she was terrified as to the impact, psychological impact of the shooter drills on their children. She was really spooked out by that. So that's a good point that. you're making. Yeah. And you know, on that's you, you know, and then we can go back to the gun mm. debate, good guys with guns. Well, in Uvalde, Texas, the good guys with guns stood outside that school for 70 minutes and just let those kids get slaughtered. Why? Why do you think that happened? Was a mother who jumped the fence and rescued her two children. There and then they wanted to arrest her for that. Are you not suspicious at them not going into the school? Because some of the people we've rubbed shoulders with over the years, they say that's incredibly suspicious. It's almost like somebody wanted some kids to be killed because then they could make a big song and dance about gun ownership. Now, I'm putting that to you. I know you're going to disagree with it, but you will at least admit it's possible. Well, anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've had so many, you know, so many school shootings. Now they want to create, you know, special kind of walls that the children can pull, you know, to, to around themselves, to protect themselves if there's a shooter. If my children were young today... Um, and I got kids older than you, Richie. Uh, I would never send them to school. Never. Me neither. That would eliminate a lot of the problems and the discussions we were having today. Because anybody sending their child into a school today, you don't know if that kid's coming home alive. Let alone they're teaching you nothing but propaganda and lies. Uh, they're going to force you to catch your kids vaccinated. Another reason not to go. Bullying's out of control. It's not like you just take a beating in the schoolyard. Now you can get shot or, or stabbed by one of the other kids. I would never send my children to school in this day, ever. And you made the point the last time you were on, the agendas they are pursuing, the Agenda 2030 policies, mm -hmm. 
they are making people, people don't even realise it, more angry and more intolerant and more tired and fatigued and aggressive. And we'll see, we'll see this, of course, in schools. We'll see it in the workplace, people being turned against one another. And as a consequence of that, you'll see more, you know, more of the sort of spontaneous violence that maybe like that. we wouldn't expect. And you see it on the yeah. roads. You know, yeah. here we've got a lot of drive-by shootings. You know, one guy, he, I literally shot at the car next to him uh, because they honked. Yeah. All right. So it's like, you know, everybody's on their last nerve. God knows what drugs they're on on top of that. Uh, you know, they're struggling just to, you know, get through life. And uh, you could see it in the crime. You could see it in the shoplifting. Well, if people can't afford food and they want to eat, what are they supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? We know that um, women are stealing baby formula in supermarkets here in the UK because they can't afford it. Just a quick comment from Sandra. There were a couple of these. You made a comment which was hilarious earlier on. I left it slight because it was funny. And my listeners know that, you know, they know who I am. They know who you are. Um, We see things. We know where this is all going, regardless of if we disagree over the, you know, the 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 intricacies of it but Sandra says Richie Maria lost my support when she said she'd rather have a trans man in the bathroom than a Republican I'm from England I don't know the politics of America but does Maria realise the two wings of the same bird two cheeks of the same ass concept it doesn't matter which party is in it's all the same I've been talking about the one party system for years 25 years who's the ones getting busted for all the bathroom uh, assaults, it's always the GOP. Come here, I tell you. Put on the floor the signs, uh, and yeah, it was kind of a joke, but not really. Not really. I'm going to give you the last thirty seconds before we part company today. Before you have the last thirty seconds, subscribe to the Maria Heller Show, particularly if you find yourself um, in disagreement. This is the thing. I I find myself gravitating towards people I like who've got a you know, a, a strong background in presenting shows. But if they're saying things where they see things a bit differently than me, that's what I like doing more and more these days, to have my own views challenged. Go to net. subscribe to the brilliant show and the archive. And just for the last 30 seconds, what has been, um, what, have you, what have you been discussing this week and recently on the show? Go ahead. Well, I've been discussing the news. I've gone back to 9-11, talking to Richie Grove yesterday and his project Constellation, uh, talking about a lot of the things you and I have talked about, you know, the poverty, the crimes, the this and that. And it's almost like they're pushing for the end of civilization. People have forgotten how to be civilized. They're not, they have no manners. They have no... uh, no integrity, you know, it's me, 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 and everybody gets pissed off over the smallest things instead of paying attention to what is really happening. So my show has always been to make people think, think people, okay? We're all the same. We're all the same. We all have red blood in our veins. We all want the same thing. We all want a safe life for our families, a comfortable life, not necessarily rich, Uh, So we need to concentrate more on what we have in common, not what they tell us we should hate each other for, because they're the ones that hate all of us. Fantastic way to finish it today. Thanks as usual for your time. Brilliant having you on. Pleasure. 
and I look forward to the next one, Maria. Thanks a million. Speak soon. Look after yeah. yourself. Take care. The uh, brilliant Maria Heller live on Thursday. I nearly said Wednesday's Richie Allen show. M e r i a dot net uh, is the website. She's been producing and presenting podcasts for longer than anybody else and she is terrific. Thanks again to Maria for today. The time then is rapidly approaching four minutes to the top of the hour. That's pretty much it for me today. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much to Gail in the first hour who came on from Dublin to talk about um, her sister becoming unwell and the whole area of vaccine shedding and the harm that um, that might be doing to the unjabbed. Fascinating topic. I'm going to pick that up again on the programme in the coming weeks. Thanks to Gail. Thanks to Maria. You have a fantastic weekend. Look after yourselves. Get out there in the sunshine. We are going to be bathed in sunshine this coming weekend here in the UK. I'll be indoors on Saturday, though, watching the FA Cup final from behind the sofa. Yeah, the, 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 the Manchester clubs, City and United play at Wembley at three o'clock. I'm obviously a red. I don't know what to make of it. Underdogs and all of that, but I'm looking forward to the weekend. I'll be back with you on Sunday on the other show, Sunday Morning Melodies at 10 o'clock UK time, where I might be crying into my microphone. Maybe I won't be. We'll see. That's Sunday at 10. The Richie Allen Show will return on Monday at five this coming Monday. Closing out today's programme with uh, the great slow hand himself. Eric Clapton and Change the World. Nice song to close out the programme this week. But it's not playing for me. Why are you not playing for me? I know it's not playing for me. You have to press the button, Baldy. Pressing the button is pre prerequisite. Have a great weekend. See you soon. Bye.